Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Hope everyone is doing well and enjoyed your football on Sunday. We had one good game and one game, other than if you were an Eagles fan, not too interesting. Although, the 49ers not having a quarterback was notable. Um, anyway, uh, appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And go subscribe to The Athletic to read my work there. New article up today about the quarterback scenarios that may play out for Washington. On this episode, we're going to talk about the offensive coordinator search. What a surprise, because that's what we do here. And we're going to do it because we have a, we have a new wrinkle. And that new wrinkle is that the, the commanders are interested in Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. I had uh, somebody confirm that with me this uh, weekend. So we'll discuss that with Benjamin Albright, radio host and NFL uh, reporter in the Denver area. Benjamin uh, had been talking about Biennemi to Washington for a bit now. So I wanted to talk to him about that. He's out there in the AFC West. In addition, we discussed Pat Shermer, uh, who's another another candidate. Shermer was, of course, an offensive uh, coordinator for the Broncos. So uh, Benjamin had a look there at him. So that's what we're talking about him, along with a little bit of the NFL story, including uh, what, what went on with Russell Wilson this past year and things like that. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the podcast. Uh, also, of course, make sure you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. You can hit me up there with your thoughts. And this is Senior Bowl week. I am heading to Mobile shortly. We'll be there for the week watching those practices and checking with people around the league uh, for their thoughts on the draft as well as other related items. So make sure you follow me again on Twitter or else or or make sure you're tuned in here to this podcast for more updates. Um, I do want to get to a couple other quick notes here before uh, we get to the interview. So with regard to the OC situation, the uh, it's not news. But there's been some talk over the last couple of days, I guess, about is this is Washington a potential destination for Sean Payton? Uh, based on some cryptic notion out there that they're about, are there teams that may be looking to, is there a team out there that like needs to get their ducks in a row or something? And then Rex Ryan yesterday on ESPN during a pregame show said a team to watch out for in the Sean Payton. Derby is Washington, but not just Sean Payton, but also Tom Brady. Look, I would that would be fun. I'm I'm in for any of those scenarios, uh, right? I, I just don't know how anybody is connecting those dots right now when we don't know who the owner is going to be. I don't see anybody of those at that level or anybody with options coming on board with Dan Snyder as the owner. Now, by the time I finish this uh, opening here. Maybe we find out he sold the team, but that doesn't seem likely at this point. And the NFL world 
moves quick. I, I don't, I, I just, uh, unless you know who the new owner is going to be, like, unless Rex Ryan or whoever is talking to Rex Ryan knows who the new owner is going to be and what their thoughts are and who they want to hire and what their potential relationship or prior relationship has been with Sean Payton or Tom Brady. I don't know how anybody can make these claims that this is what's happening. At the same point, I just will say anything. I, I'm not dismissing anything until Dan Snyder sells this team. I just don't understand how we can make those connect those dots. So I try to live in the reality and not try to live in just, you know, clickbait land. But I did want to discuss it because it's out there. And um, I was on with Kevin Sheehan on his podcast earlier. And we discussed it as well. So I thought I would at least mention it so you don't think i am uh, got my head in the sand. At the same point, I, I just don't know how... <laughs> <laughs> how one could get there. Biennemi, though, is a different deal. You've heard me talk about this before, and again, I did talk about this a little with with, with Benjamin Albright, and just from Washington's perspective, you know, Washington is likely not going to make a big, splashy move at quarterback this offseason. If they keep Deron Payne, I don't see what else they really can potentially do that's like a big notable move, but you know, anything's possible, but seems unlikely. But one way to make a splash would be signing Eric Bieniemy or hiring Eric Bieniemy. You know, that would get a lot of attention. He obviously has been, you know, in the mix for head coaching jobs in recent years. And we know that like part of the deal is the the lack of play calling. He would get that here. So I don't dismiss the Bieniemy part. And that's why we had, uh, Benjamin on now again I don't know how interested Bianami would be I don't know how the interview will go I don't know we don't know a lot of things about this but I do buy that it kind of makes sense for it to happen so we'll talk more about that in a few minutes uh, with Benjamin all right and the last thing I, w- I want to get into obviously Philadelphia and Kansas City are going to the Super Bowl. Kudos to them. I obviously the I know a lot of people here are not thrilled that the Eagles <laughs> are advancing. Um, understandable. I've never been one of those people that rooted for the other teams in my division or conference. You know, if we're talking like college, to to succeed when I root against them three hundred days out, you know, every other day out of the year. Okay, but that said, it happened and Eagles moved on, and you know. I just always come back to, I love doing the what if scenarios for teams or the fork in the road moments. Sometimes there are decisions. Sometimes it's just things that happened and how that instant changed or altered a course for, for a franchise. And with, with Washington and Philadelphia, for me, it, it always comes back to the final game of the 2020 season. Washington needs to win at Philadelphia to win the NFC East with a loss they, they don't win the division, and they don't go to the playoffs. And obviously, it was a big moment. Everybody wanted them to win, obviously, right? You, the chance to go to the playoffs, you know, you don't take that lightly. We all talk in this sort of hypothetical world, but the, you know, about like, well, they could do this or they should do that. For the players and the coach coaches, this is their life. Of course, they want to make the playoffs. So they went ahead and played that game and eked out the win. They go to the playoffs. We get the Taylor Heineke game against Tampa Bay, and and we're there. And at that moment, and I always be careful. When I say we, I'm just talking the royal we. I'm not a we of this thing. I just like to be clear. It's just how my head works when I say things. 
Um, the hope was, even though, you know, Washington still had a ton of questions at quarterback, the hope was that this was a sign of what could happen. That that second half surge, even though it was against a weaker, weak opponents with, with, with limited quarterbacks, this could be a sign of things to come. The defensive line obviously had the the four recent first round picks. Chase Young coming off a rookie of the year season. Antonio Gibson was a bit of a revelation. Terry McLaurin continued to improve, etc. Obviously, we know what happened on this end. It didn't. That didn't happen. They finished seven and ten the next year. They finished eight, eight and one this year. There's talent on this roster. You can you can you can squint and point and, and talk yourself into saying this is still a team on the rise, but by and large, they are still stuck in some level of purgatory, largely because of the quarterback situation, but not entirely. But by winning that game, they did win the division and they also took themselves out of the posi- of the range of where they should be as a seven win team, meaning in the ten to twelve pick range. That is where they would have landed if they had lost that game. Obviously, they would have only had six wins at that point. And that's the thing. When you have a seven-win season, the the part of the payoff is, all right, that wasn't fun, but you get a higher draft pick. Instead, they had the fun of winning the division, but then ended up picking 19, took Jamin Davis. And I always point to this as a moment of like, well, what if they had lost? And I tell you that people over there have had the same thoughts themselves. In that, who knows what would have happened? Do, do they draft Jay, um, J- Justin Fields or Mac Jones? Who can say? Would they tr- would they take uh, Devontae Smith or Micah Parsons, who went 10 and 12 respectively? Who can say? All I know is they dropped down in the draft and they still didn't get the payoff of winning, of winning the, the division title beyond just that moment of winning. But then you look at the Eagles. And the Eagles in that game, as we know, pulled Jalen Hurts and and replaced him with Nate Sudfeld. Even though Jalen Hurts at that point isn't the, the MVP candidate we know today. A guy that you would think, oh, you want to give him some more reps, you know, knock a division opponent, at, you know, knock the commanders, or well, I guess they weren't the commanders at that point, knock the football team out of the division, you know, play spoiler for them, all that. Instead, the Eagles said, no, nah, we're going to go for the draft pick. We're going to lose. I mean, you know. That was about as close to seeing real tanking in real in real time as we ever see it. And they did lose, and they finished with four wins. And two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. Now, that give them credit. I mean, you had Jalen Hurts, who you know turned out to be a very dynamic quarterback. I, I, I don't know how good Jalen Hurts really is, but nonetheless, you know, he, he, there's hope there at a minimum, and he's looked pretty good for most of this year. And then with him on a rookie contract, they were able to go out and sign, uh, you know, particularly this offseason, go make some big splashy moves for trading for A.J. Brown, signing James Bradbury, etc. And give credit to Howie Roseman as well, their GM. He's somebody that I talk to when I do my agent survey every year. He gets mentioned as a bit of a polarizing uh, executive, not in terms of being good with a team, but the, the agents aren't always big fans of him. Uh, sometimes I feel like he doesn't like, keep his word, etc. That's that's for a different topic. But in terms of building a team, you got to give him a lot of credit for what they've been able to pull off here. Uh, and I just point to that game. This is, I think, the difference between having a plan 
and trying to win the next game. Washington was trying to win the next game. And again, I understand what they were doing. You you have a chance to make the playoffs, you, you take it. But this is also how it's been for Rivera for the last couple of years. They're focused on the moment rather than the bigger picture. It's it's not always easy to understand what is their plan. What are they trying to accomplish sometimes? And that game just reminds me of that. And the fact that the Eagles are now in the Super Bowl really shines a brighter light on that scenario, at least for me. So anyway, uh, the Chiefs and Bengals was fun. I'll talk more about that with Benjamin in just a moment. Um, But let's get to that, in fact. Uh, here's my conversation with Benjamin Albright talking about Eric Bieniemy, Pat Shermer, and other NFL topics here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, um, we've got to uh, discuss the, the the ongoing, never-ending Washington Commanders offensive coordinator search, but we also got some uh, wild NFL games to discuss. Here to help us do both of those things, first time on the podcast, he is the... Uh, Broncos and NFL insider for KOA radio in Denver. He is Benjamin Albright. Uh, Benjamin, great first name. Uh, welcome uh, to the podcast. Yeah. At the, uh, you know, the annual convention of the Benz. I'm surprised we haven't bumped into each other. Uh, you know, I, you're probably in that VIP area with that, uh, with that Affleck loser. Uh, but you know, maybe when you come grace us pours with your presence, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get a chance to bump elbows. I, I would take a hang with with Affleck, but no, I'm 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 well behind outside of that velvet rope uh, area. <laughs> that that much is uh, for sure. Um, I appreciate the time. Uh, uh, like Patrick Mahomes, you're not playing at 100, percent but I appreciate uh, you jumping on with me. Um, I I wanted to discuss, as I said, the Washington offensive coordinator situation uh, in two ways with you. One is um, the fact that uh, Pat Shermer, the former uh, Broncos uh, coordinator is uh, one of the potential candidates, or is one of the candidates, I should say. And then also, this weekend, um, got sort of, I guess you could say, the official word that Washington is interested in Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy. and I know you've been talking about that for a while, so I wanted to get your take on both of those things. But first, we just had a thrilling Chiefs win over the Bengals, 23-20, in the last-second kick from uh, Harrison Butker after an incredible game from Patrick Mahomes playing on that bum ankle. He he runs for a first down, but then gets hit out of bounds, tack on the yards, puts them in field goal range. They win so much to discuss in this game, but just for you, what was your, uh, what, what's your big takeaway just a few minutes after the game? I think a big takeaway for me is that the AFC is set for a long time with this rivalry. You know, I mean, you've got just two fantastic quarterbacks that can make magic happen, you know, late in games. And uh, in this this particular one, Pat Mahomes got the better of uh, of Burrow. Uh, you know, Burrow got the better of him the last couple of times. So uh, I, I think we're in for a long time rivalry between these two. And I think we're all going to be better for it as football fans get to see it. Yeah, I mean, the conference is already loaded with quarterbacks, as we know. And, you know, a year ago, we all thought Buffalo was maybe the, you know, the, the team ready to to take past Kansas City. So I won't say the, the Bengals are definitely the team to beat for a while and Burrow's going to get paid here soon. But wow. Yeah, those two teams are off the charts. Uh, tough, tough loss for the Bengals. Uh, the other game, I'll, I'll not much to say. Uh, well, actually, there's a lot to say. The Niners had crazy injuries, but the Eagles um, kind of really kind of took control of that throughout. Uh, the the no quarter the third quarterback thing wait did I when did they change the rule that you can't have a third guy uh 
thrown in as an emergency. How, how many years ago was that? Well, they changed it back because they had it changed and then they changed it back and it's gone back and forth. And I think it's stupid. I, I think that's the one position that um, that, that should have an ex, uh, an exclusion or, or have, uh, you know, an asterisk for it that, that you should get a, a nearly unlimited number simply because if you don't have competent quarterback play, you're just not going to win. Um, and so, you know, they, they, and we've seen it enough where there have been freak injuries or freak type things that uh, that it definitely does come into play. So for me, I, I don't like that rule. I think it's a bad rule. Um, I do like the idea mostly of, uh, you know, game day active and active and, and keeping, um, you know, keeping rosters at a limited size because it, it, it forces you to do certain things. If you get an unlimited size roster or whatever, um, well, A, Chip Kelly probably still coaching in the NFL. And then B, you know, it, it, it kind of allows you to, you know, kind of stack the deck and do things, you know, certain ways. I like the, the whole, if, if you limit the roster size, it gives you kind of a NASCAR feel to it in the sense that everything's got to be the same and you have to beat them with either better athletes or better coaching or both. Yeah, I, I like that uh, NASCAR analogy. But yeah, the quarterback thing, it, it just it, it just doesn't make any sense. Even if the guy that's coming in is some practice squad guy whose eyes will be bugging out of his head having to go into a game, at least he can throw the ball. The, the 49ers just basically couldn't throw the ball down the field after Brock Purdy got hurt his shoulder and Josh Johnson got knocked out. Um, in any event, Eagles Chiefs, we'll see that in a couple of weeks. Um of course, the Eagles, ironically enough, in tw- in 2020, Washington wins that terrible NFC East by beating Philly on the last game. The thought was maybe Washington would get some momentum out of it. They didn't. They didn't. The Eagles finished four and eleven, and two years later, they are actually in the Super Bowl. So, uh, shows what they can do, and it also shows what Washington hasn't done. Um, I'm not saying the offensive coordinator spot will put the Washington um, back in the Super Bowl contention or not, but it is one of those things. You got to figure out how to get right. They've interviewed now five candidates. There's two pending, including Eric Bieniemy. Um, when Scott Turner got fired, I had to immediately come up with a list on the Athletic of like twelve names to consider, and I did write down Eric Bieniemy just based on guesswork logic. I he's he's not getting head coaching jobs. The play, the fact that he doesn't call plays seemed to be kind of a problem for teams, among other things, perhaps. And that's why it kind of made sense for perhaps a lateral move to go to one of Andy Reid's acolytes and Ron Rivera. But that was just, like I said, me doing logical guesswork. You've actually been, uh, for those who don't follow Benjamin on Twitter, at Albright with two L's, NFL, Albright NFL, you were pretty quickly right there, maybe even that first day, saying you think Washington is is going to go look at the enemy. And I know you've been constantly talking about this. And now here we are, uh, NFL Network brought it up today and I confirmed and so on. Tell me how, I guess, not not uh, how did you get that, but like how early on did you kind of get a feel that Washington would be in in position or or, or have interest in the enemy? Uh, I think it was the day before I tweeted it um, that there was going to be, you know, there was going to be some interest down the line, you know, kind of on that, that Scott was going to get fired and, and that, uh, that EB was going to be one of the guys that we're going to look at. Uh, you know, from Eric's side of the house, he knows he's not getting head coaching gigs without getting an offensive coordinator job somewhere else. Um, I, I think the, you know, the, the, the secret is out that, you know, there's not some conspiracy to keep him out. It's that he interviews poorly and that, you know, people uh, think that the offense over there is largely Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. And so he's going to have to prove that somewhere else. And, you know, the only other experience he has an offensive coordinator without those guys was his tenure as an OC at Colorado, which is an abject disaster. Um, so, that's not to say that he couldn't have approved since then, but it was, 
really, really bad. Uh, a lot of penalties, a lot of delay of games on, you know, coming out on first down, that kind of stuff, like stuff an offensive coordinator is responsible for. So, uh, you know, Eric's known that if, if he ever wants to be a head coach in this league, that's the way he's going to have to go about it. Uh, Washington kind of figured a lot, felt like they'd kind of reached their ceiling with Scotty Turner and, uh, and, and felt like they kind of wanted to go in a different direction. Uh, and so naturally, uh, they, they let Scott go. They've been, you know, searching different, different candidates. Um, Eric's not the only one. I think, you know, obviously Anthony Lynn Ken, and, and Zampezi are two guys that I think are going to get strong consideration, but, um, I, my gut says they go with Eric the enemy unless he blows it. That's, that's my gut. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because my take has been, Ron Rivera, when you factor in everything, where he is going to his fourth year without a winning record in Washington, the ownership uncertainty change likely, but even if not, or I shouldn't say likely, but probable, even if it doesn't happen, you can't turn in a fourth consecutive non-winning season and feel good about keeping your job, which is why it felt like he would go with somebody who's been a play caller before, somebody who has done this. Eric Benemy hasn't, but at the same time, he's been around forever if Andy Reid gives him the stamp of approval, I'm sure Rivera is going to say that's good enough for me. And, you know, if you're getting interviewed for for head coaching jobs, regardless of how well you perform, you got to think that somebody out there thinks there's reason to do that. Um, that said, I don't know that if, if you go with the enemy, it seems to go against what I just said about Rivera not taking somebody who hasn't done this. You mentioned his Colorado time. That does count, but it is college and it was a few years ago. Uh, how do you kind of, I don't know if you buy that premise, but how do you kind of weigh that of like, he technically doesn't have the play calling experience that you want, but he's also not a 35 year old, you know, wet behind the ears kind of a coach. Well, I think you, I think you have to do that. I think you have to weigh that in the interview. I think you have to ask him, look, we know Andy Reid would turn the play calling over to you for little stretches here and there, but how sharp are you? How long has it been? Are you able to adjust to this? Are you able to, you know, without Andy Reid redlining everything, are you able to come up with a play, uh, a comprehensive game plan each week? Are you able to, to go through and, and add things and take things out of your install, you know, and then are you able to, to put together a cogent script and then, and then a coherent game flow on game day? And if you're not able to do those things, you know, then, uh, then maybe you're not the guy. And so I think that that's, that's what you have to determine in the interview you got to get them together and you got to you got to sit down with them you gotta say okay here's the situation what do you do what are you doing here what do you and, and you kind of try to get a feel for the guy that way you can do a little bit off reference and resume but a lot of it really is getting a guy in the room and seeing how he responds because every coaching staff is going to have a different communication flow uh, and there's going to be a different way they do things and so you know you, you got to figure out if that guy's going to be a fit for the way you do things and if he's uh, collegial and collaborative and uh and, and a guy that fits with the culture that you, that you want to have so, uh, you know, neither one of us are, uh, have, well, I shouldn't say we, neither one of us have hired an offensive coordinator before. I know I haven't. I'm guessing you haven't, but what do I know? Um, you know? <laughs> no, I have not. Okay. So when you look at the situation, like you said before, there's reasons why the enemy has not been getting hired to do, uh, to be a head coach. Um, he signed a one-year contract with the Chiefs last year. I, I, I My view, my sense is that, they're kind of open to him leaving, I guess you could say. And it feels like the probably going to take another job somewhere at this point, one way or the other. Washington isn't the only team showing some interest. You got the Ravens, Titans at least. Was there was there somebody else that we've that's in that bucket at this point? Those are the two I'm aware of. Indianapolis brought him in for a head coaching interview, but he's not going to get that job. So um I think that's I think that's about it. So if you're Bianami, and let's just for argument's sake say you actually had those options. You've got Washington with the uncertainty from the ownership down. You've got the Ravens where we don't know where Lamar Jackson's is, where that's going. 
And Tennessee, maybe Ryan Tannehill's back. Maybe he's not. Either way, it's not the most dynamic of offenses. Derrick Henry's really good. And then kind of eh, from there, like, how do you think Washington stacks up in sort of that scenario if we're talking about the enemy has options? Well, I think each job has its strengths and, and weaknesses. You know, that I think that is a, a factor there where you say, well, wait, uh, is there going to be stability beyond this year with potential new ownership there? And that's that's something you're going to have to eyeball. Um, you know, you get to mold the offense the way you want because they really don't have uh, what, what I would call an identity there. You've got some good skill position players, but the quarterback obviously isn't settled. Um, you know, Sam Howell's going to get the opportunity, but uh, do you know that he's the long term? If you're Andy, if you're Eric Bieniemy and you believe in Sam Howell, I think you jump at the chance. If you don't, then I think that that's a little bit different. Uh, you mentioned the Tennessee issue. Tennessee would be the job, except that you don't know Ryan Tannehill's on the decline, and you know that that situation could devolve south pretty quick if they can't get another quarterback in there. The the, the Baltimore situation is interesting because Lamar is basically going to get to pick his guy. And so that that's sort of how that goes. And uh, I don't know if you hold out and wait on that because that figures to be the last spot picked while it would provide the most stability. At the same time, you're going to be Lamar's dude. And uh, I don't know that he necessarily is Lamar's guy. Um, so I mentioned uh, Pat Shermer at the top. He was the first candidate to be interviewed, two-time head coach impressive resume on the surface um and you know to me if you're going to go with the outside candidate he's been the leading the leading candidate at least pre enemy and they're also going to interview anthony lynn the, the 49ers rb coach or at least that's the uh the the, the plan so you've got enemy at some point i don't know when this interview would hypothetically take place now since they're in the super bowl but we'll see um you got Shermer, you got ken zampese the quarterback coach um, and then there's, if you, I'll happily name them all, but I presume you're, you're on top of who the other uh, candidates are. Uh, if, as I said before, we have not hired an OC. How do you think those guys stack up, though? Like, is there somebody for you, or based on what you talk to people around the league, that you think, independent of almost anything else, like who would be the hire that, that, that makes the most sense? Well, I think the enemy is the one that makes the most sense. Um, Anthony Lynn's another one that, that I think could be, although I'm not sure he's a the biggest fit was Sam Howell. Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's potential out of both those. Uh, you mentioned uh, Shermer and I, you know, the fan base, I don't know how they feel about punt Shermer or excuse me, Pat Shermer, but punt Shermer is what you will be calling him. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I watched him up close and personal and I, you know, that guy couldn't score on a script. If you, if you know, if you, if you drew him to the end, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was bad. Uh, he was just bad. Um, I, I, you know, it, it, with, with Shermer, I'm sure he's a, uh, you know, he's a, a much better, you know, maybe quarterbacks coach, that kind of thing, but him as an offensive coordinator was, uh, was, was laughably bad. And I say laughably bad because I didn't think it could get worse. And then I watched it get worse in Denver this year. Um, overall, I, I would not hire him. He would not be my guy. Uh, he, a lot of the jobs that he's gotten have been based on relationships. And I, I think I would avoid that if I were you. Um, all right, fair enough. If uh, if uh, Ron Rivera hits me up for some suggestions, I will throw that into uh, into the mix. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I you know, I I, I don't know what they're gonna do. They've obviously got a lot of questions, including a quarterback. Uh, since I have you here, you know, Washington was one of those teams that was really trying to get Russell Wilson last year. They threw a bunch of number one picks uh, to Seattle, and we're like, hey, we're 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 in this to win this, and Seattle decided instead to go with Denver and everybody here is like, whoo All right. Dodge the bullet on that one. Especially if you think the Washington would have given Russell Wilson that extension, I guess just from your perspective, what, what, what happened last year? Cause right now Denver's obviously still 
has to hire a head coach, and that's got a way on whoever's ultimately deciding to do this is whether they think Russell Wilson can be turned around, fixed, saved, whatever. What 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 happened? I think it's a combination of things. Um, you know, Russell was injured a large portion of the year, had a torn lat. Um, you know, in his in his throwing arm, I think that was a large part of it. Uh, Russ showed up to camp a little overweight. Uh, his training regimen wasn't what it was, they had been in some previous years and showed up a little flabby and, and, you know, had lost a step, you know, in terms of elusivity. I think he'll be in a much better shape next go around. Um, I think part of it was the, just the dysfunction uh, in the building with the coaching staff, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, where you had a whole lot of people that have never done the jobs that they were doing. Um I mean, this, the, the person with the second most NFL experience on that staff was Clint Kubiak. Uh, you know, it was, it was embarrassingly light on, you know, on experience, which is part of the reason that they kept, you know, not being able to get plays in on time. They literally had to hire somebody, a clock management guy, uh, two games into the season because they, you know, they were so bad at it. Uh, so I, I think there was a lot of different things. I do think Russ is salvageable. Um, you know, I, I do think that he will have a bounce back season next year. I don't know if he'll ever reach the heights that he used to have, but I, I do think he's significantly better than he played this past season. All right. Well, I, look, you since you're going to have to watch that every week, I wish you luck on that just for it to at least be, you know, something interesting to keep an eye on as opposed to the dumpster fire that it seemed like it was most of the year. Um, Look, man, I pre, you know, I appreciate, it. I know you, uh, or feeling a little under the weather, but I did want to get you on because you had a lot of this uh, B enemy stuff and you know, Shermer. So I appreciate the the, the time um, feel better. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll talk again here down the line. Absolutely. If we don't see each other at the Ben convention. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, if, if, you know, now that you mentioned that Affleck shows up, I may in fact have to uh, try to hitch a ride over there. You, you know, you never know. Um, Sweet. I heard Ben folds was there last year. So. Uh, well, the problem is, I think if they pick an NFL guy, Ben Solak might beat both of us. So that's the only problem. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, cool, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care.